Repeat after me these words. LSU does not determine my life. God determines my life. Come on now, are you with me in the house? Some of you went to bed miserable last night. Some of you woke up miserable this morning. Come on, don't let LSU ruin what God has in your life today. Because God's got great things in store for you today. Come on, shake it off. There it is, Rob. Just shake it off. Shake the devil. Shake LSU. Shake the devil. Same thing. Shake it off. Shake it off. Come on. Amen. So excited today as we begin a new series. Come on, say with me. New series. And what is that series on? It's on new seasons. Say that with me. New seasons. Come on. A new opportunity for you and your life. Come on. Dealing with the transitions of life. And I'm just so excited about this series and how you can be a part of it. Because here's what we believe. We want to teach you how to transition into life. Come on, we want to teach you how to transition into life. Not to keep living the existence that you see around you today, but we want you to live in the life and the fullness that God has for you. How many would be honest today and say, I'm not really living in that complete fullness? Come on, my hands are up. I'm not waiting for you. I'd love to say I'm living in all the blessing and all the fullness of God. But there's still things in my life that I'm believing for God to do. And I'm waiting for God to do. And I realize that I need to transition into those things. I've prayed long about them. But maybe it's time for me to begin to transition. Transition is not easy. Change is not something we sign up for. If we had a sign-up sheet at the back and say, come on, sign up for change. Who wants change? There would be very few names that would be signed up on that list, yet everyone would want change. Did you catch that? Many people would not want to sign up for it because they want it, but they don't want to go through the process or the transition of it taking place in their life. If you've ever been to England, we have the underground in London. It's the underground. It's a transit system that goes around. You call it the subway over here. We call it the underground. Pete will tell you, I'm not lying to you. Every time you step on there, before the doors begin to close, the words say this, mind the gap. Mind the gap. The gap. What is that? It's telling people to get out of that gap because you're going to get squashed in the doors. You need to move out. But you see, the problem is in our lives is we don't want to live in that gap. We just want to jump from one place to the other without going through the transition many times in the middle. We want it the easy way out. Sometimes it's not easy, but it's always for the best. So we're going to look at transitioning and what happens and how we need to make sure that we're going through. Because transition is so important because it's the transition that prepares us for the next place. It's that which prepares us for where we're going. Any of you ever got a new cell phone? Any of you ever got like a new computer or something? Thank God for like iTunes and just different things like that that you can back your phone up. Come on, if it's an iPhone, it's a smartphone. If it's not an iPhone, it's a dumb phone. Come on now. But you can back them up, so, so now it's not so hard. But remember what it used to be like. You had everything in its right place. Everything you just knew. You could close your eyes and you could just touch this app. You could just go there. You just knew where the numbers were. Everything was so comfortable. Everything was so easy. Maybe it was a little bit slow. 
It was maybe a little bit outdated and you kind of kept it in your pocket when you're around people because, you know, flip phones ain't cool no more, you know, and maybe just a little bit outdated. But, you know, it's comfortable. It's, it's what I like and it's what I want and it's still good because I've got used to it, because I've learned it, I've adapted to it. I can do it now without thinking. I think there's a red flag that needs to go up if you're doing things in life with little or no thought. Amen. You need to have thought into what you're doing. So many times, comfort is not always a good thing for our lives. So then we go to the store. We're convinced that we need it new. We buy it, we buy it and we take it and we want to get excited about it. We want to be thrilled about it. We want to show everyone. But the reality is we hate it. Because nothing is how it used to be. Everything is different. Everything looks different. It feels different. Even smells different. Come on, it's just, it's just different. And even though you're convincing yourself it's for the best, you still, ah, you're not convinced. You're not convinced. So what do you do? You begin to work through it. If you have to pick up a manual and you have to read it to discover what you need to do, you talk to other people, you get them to help set it up for you. You prepare it, you arrange it, and then funnily enough, you begin to become accustomed to it. You get used to it. And then what happens? Here's what happens. Are you ready? You begin to realize this is incredible. I really like this. Because you are working through the transition, you're now beginning to think This is awesome. And you know what you're going to say next? Here's what you're going to say next. Why did it take me so long to make a change? If I'd have realized how awesome this thing was, I would have done it months. I would have done it years ago. Come on. Why did it take me so long to update? And then you don't just stop there. You go to everyone else and say, hey, have you got this new phone? Have you got this new computer? Man, this thing is awesome. And you're going to hear from them. No, I don't want to because I like what I've got. It's going to be the same process. And you're going to say to them, you know, I was the same way, but I transitioned. And now why would I ever want to go back to that? Because this is so much better. Come on. That's what I want you to get from this series. Come on, what God has for you is so much better than where you're living right now. It may be a little bit uncomfortable to get there. There's some things that's going to have to change. There's going to see some things that just don't feel comfortable. But the results are going to be out of this world. And they're going to be so great that now you're going to be telling everyone and saying, Hey, let me tell you something. I lost my job and I thought it was bad and I thought I was miserable. I've gone through a transition. I went back to school. I did something thing about it. God's now given me a greater job. And if I ever thought about doubting God, I would never doubt him. Why? Because I went through a transition and I like where I'm at. Can you see the process of transition that we can stay away from? Say with me these words, transition Transition. could have stopped me from that. Come on, transition will stop you from the joys of where God wants to take you. And how he wants to remove you from places. There's many times in my life that I've thought God was a bad God because I didn't want to leave where I was at. I didn't want to transition. Everything was comfortable. Everything was in place. And it seemed like God just took the floor out from under me. Bad God. Don't like you, God. But as I transitioned through that thing, I can throw both hands in the air and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because now I can see you with me. Now, you're still sitting there saying, you know, you're right, Pastor. I know that's true, but I still don't like how it feels. Come on, I'm with you with that. Come on, I'm with you. We're with you on that. We don't like how it feels during the process, but we love the results. Come on, our focus doesn't need to be on the process. Our focus needs to be on where we are going and what God has in store for each one of our lives. So to transition means I have to leave behind something or maybe even someone in order to gain or to grab a hold of, to obtain something that is greater, something that is better, something that is more fulfilling for my life. That's where God wants us to 
be. Here's the scripture that we're going to be using for this series. Absolutely love the scripture. Reading it from the Message Bible from 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. I think you need to type this out. I think you need to put it somewhere in the mirror in the morning. I think you need to put it in your car. I think you need to put it on the refrigerator. I think you just need to have it laying anywhere you possibly can. In fact, Miss Nancy, let's type this out. We're going to have some of these cards available for you all month. You can pick them up and post them wherever you want so there's no excuses because I want this scripture to get so into your spirit. Listen to what he says. Dear Corinthians, you can put your name there. Dear Nina, dear Emma, dear Kristen, come on, dear Jimmy, I can tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. What a picture. What a picture has just been painted right now. That God is saying to you today, I want you to enter into this wide open, spacious, incredible life. Read on. It says, we did not what? We did not fence you in. Look what it says in New King James Version of verse 12. It says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections, by your own desires, your own choices, the things that you have longed to hold on to in your life, you are restricted, not by us, but you're restricted by those things. You've got to understand what Paul is saying here to the church of Corinth, what he's saying to each one of us, but particularly right here, he was addressing the fact that false teachers had come in. False teachers had come in giving false teachings, misleading people to believe things that were not the gospel with a capital G of God, the good news. But yet it was things that sounded good. It was things that were appealing. It was things that they kind of fit their life. I want to tell you right now, the word of God does not fit your life. Your life needs to fit into the word of God. But yet, that's what they did. Oh, I kind of like this. I don't like that. So let me push that. Oh, I like this. They made a gospel unto themselves. It felt good to them. So they lived their life for that. Look what Proverbs 14 verse 12 says. It says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. The Message Bible says there is a way of life that looks harmless enough, but look again. It leads where? Straight to hell. New Living Translation. There is a path before each person that seems right. But it ends in death. Notice it seems right. It feels right. You know what that means? It's great while it lasts. It's great while everything lasts. While those, the wrong and the error. And we take that and we can say, well, man, my life has really been blessed. But it doesn't last long. And I'm telling you right now, it ends really bad because hell's not a good place. I said hell's not a good place. That's the result of a feel-good life, a life that is what? Restricting you. We think it's liberating us. Oh, we, we like that, don't we, as young people, oh, that we can go and sleep around, that we can do whatever. Oh, I don't want to be bound, but it's a liberating. No, it's not. It's not a liberating life. It's destroying your life, and it's a pathway that's going to bring you to a place you don't want to be. You don't realize the greatest strengths and powers there is through following God's word and how that releases you into the blessing of God. It's not restricting your life. It's not condemning your life. You know what we've mastered? Here's what we've mastered. Here's what we're really good at. Now thinking. Now thinking. What do I mean by that? We have mastered just thinking about right now with no concern for what's going to happen in the future. And we've told ourselves, well, hey, I'm just going to make this decision right now. My parents are not here. I'm just going to make this decision. And maybe say, I'm just going to make this right now. And we don't even consider the future. But here's what I want to tell you today. If you don't deal with it now, it's going to come back and deal with you later. And when it deals with you, most of the time it's going to be too late because it's now in control. You're no longer in control of it. 
Come on, if you don't deal with something, you may just be a pencil that you've taken from the teacher. If you don't deal with that, come on, it's going to be a hundred bucks that you're going to be stealing from someone else. Things grow. The Bible speaks about sin. It can conceive real small, but when it grows, come on, it comes to life and it what brings death with it. So you've got to realize we need to be dealing with these things. And that's what Paul is doing when he's talking to the Corinthians in this passage. He said, there is so much wrong teaching out there. You've got to deal with it. It's not about what feels good for you right now. You've got to give your life to God and the gospel of God. That which is going to get you where you need to be in your future. That which is going to bring you into the fullness of God. Come on, you've got to watch today. There's so much wrong things out there that are guiding people so wrong. And Paul says it this way, it's fencing you in. It's restricting your life. I want you to see this statement. I want you to write this down. Are you ready? If Satan cannot stop you, if Satan cannot stop you, he'll be just as happy to restrict you. Are you ready? Because he knows in the long run, the results will be the same. Come on, think about that. Just a little bit here and a little bit there becomes a whole lot in the days to come. So I believe that Satan is more happy to restrict your life than to stop your life. I think Satan's given up on trying to stop a lot of Christians because we know the truth. We know he's alive. He just comes up to us and says, we know that. So he's gone to the greatest strategy, I think, and that's just to restrict us. Just a little here, a little there. Come on, a little bit of compromise, just a little give, a little take, a little this and this and this. He's restricting our lives, but in the long run, he knows that the end result is going to be the same. He's going to destroy our lives. He's going to make us settle for that which is not God's best for our life. Come on, say wow, say ouch, say something with me today. Come on. So Paul is being like a father to them. It's like a wayward child. And he's saying to them, come on, you need to realize the lack of results that you're seeing in your life is not everyone else's fault. It's you. I got two amens. I'm going to say that again. Paul is saying, you want him to blame everyone else for why things aren't going right in your life. But we didn't fence you in. It's you. It's the choices. It's the decisions. The wrong things you're holding on to and not transitioning into what God has for you. Come on, it's not your spouse's fault that your marriage isn't working. Maybe it's your fault today. You need to take responsibility. You need to begin to work on that. It's not your boss's fault that you didn't get the promotion that you wanted and thought you re- that you deserved. Come on, if you can't show up to work early, if you're leaving for an hour and ten minutes when you have an hour lunch, time, if you're on your cell phone when you're supposed to be working, if you're doing all these kind of things, it's not your boss's fault that you were overlooked the promotion. Come on, young people. It's not your parents' fault that they don't believe you and don't trust you. Come on, if you can't tell the truth to them, if you can't be honorable, if you can't be respectful, come on, we're full of reasons why. I can't believe they didn't do this. I can't believe. Listen, let's stop. Bam. We didn't fence you in. The restriction you have has not come from us. The restriction you have has come from within. Come on, we need to address this today. There are always exceptions to every rule, but we don't live by exceptions. We live by the rule of God's word and the truth of God's word. So back to the scripture. You thought I forgot. Message Bible. Here it is. We did not fence you in. Listen to this. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives are not small. Someone needs to hear this today. Come on, you need to hear this. This is a series for you today. Your life isn't small, but you are living it in a small way. Paul says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with as great affection I can. He says, open up your lives. Live openly and live expansively. Come on, say with me, open up my life. Come on, it's time to live what? Openly and expansively. That's what we want to achieve through this series. 
Our goal is that each one of you would transition into the fullness of God for your life. Come on, that your spiritual walk would be greater than it's ever been before. That you would transition into a new way with God. Come on, that your marriage and family would be greater. Come on, if you're not happy with where you're at, come on, be the change and make that change that will bring about a change in your home. Come on, in your relationships, if they're not good right now, we can believe that there's going to be an openness of spaciousness that's going to come as you're going to transition into what God has in your finances right now. Come on, some of you need to change your wrong thinking and and your bad spending. You need some plastic surgery and it's not lifting and tucking, it's cutting up those credit cards. Come on, you need to take care of those things. Why? So you can go into the blessing. Some of you, your health, come on, I'm not looking at anyone, but put down the fork. Start eating healthy. Start exercising. Start doing. Don't say, oh, I wish I felt good. You have the power to make yourself feel good. Start doing it. We've got to begin to transition into the openness and the spacious life that we have. In other words, I want you to see that you've got no excuses. God has it available for you. you just got to step into it. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. You've got to leave one. Say with me, leave one to get to the other. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, the last part. It says this, speaking of God, He takes away the first that He may establish the second. Come on, help me out. It's not a trick. He takes away the first that He may establish the second. This is a principle we see throughout the entirety of God's Word. If you're going to move to where God wants you to be, you've got to step away from other places first. He takes away the first. We, oh, we want to hold on to that. God has to take that away so he can establish, so he can begin to bring into place the second. Again, what is he referring to in this passage? In Hebrews, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the first way was animal sacrifice. The animal sacrifice, all it could do was cover their sins. Because of their sin, they would bring a lamb, they would bring a turtle dove, they would bring something, as a sacrifice that would be offered up. And all that could do, its shed blood could only cover sin. And in Hebrews, he said, he did away with the first so he could establish the second. What is the second? The cross of Christ. The blood of Jesus that not only covers no longer, but it removes every sin from our lives. And it not only removes, but it forgives us. It doesn't only remove and forgives us, but it gives us a new hope, a new life, a new way of living. So that's the principle that we see. He takes away something that's not as good. And not able to do in your life what needs to be done. So he can take you to a place of fullness and completeness. That he can do that work inside of you. Leaving one to embrace the other. Too many of us want what? The best of both worlds. We just want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We want the best of both worlds. But just think about the animal sacrifice thought. That way was no good after the cross. Light was shed that all it did was to cover sins. And we would be foolish today if we were to go back to do something like that. Every one of us would agree, I don't want to do that. Why? Because there's something better. There's something greater in our lives. And that's how we've got to look at our lives to transition in the same way. While that was good and it lasted, it was great. But come on, God has a new season for my life. He has a new way for me to think. He has a new way for me to live. And in that new way, that doesn't have any place any longer. I'm leaving that behind. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a what? A man, when I grew up, when I transitioned, what did I do? I put away those childish things. What have I done? I've put away. Why? Because I've grown up. I've transitioned. I've changed. Come on, look at your name and say, don't be a museum. Change is good. Change is good. Change is good. I want to give you something else, and then I want to get on just to really quickly give you seven principles that I think of transition that are going to change your life. But I just want to show something as we lay a foundation. I want to lay a big foundation so we can go somewhere. We're going to be really specific through this. We're going to be talking about some things. Next week, we're going to be talking about transitioning from unforgiveness to forgiveness. 
We're going to be talking about transitioning in our life. Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about transitioning from worry to peace. We're going to be looking at the lies of the enemy and where we're going. We're going to be looking at transitioning from death to life. Come on, we're going to be looking at some great things over this month that you need to be a part of. But you also need to understand this. Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3 says these words, Blessed is the man or the lady who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does, it shall prosper. The key part there really is verse 3 that I want to talk about quickly today. But you can't get to verse 3 if you don't go through verse 1 and verse 2. You've got to watch where you're standing, where you're sitting, where you're conversating. You've got to watch your life. Why? Because we've got to delight in God. But when we do those things, notice what it says in verse 3. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth fruit continuously all the time. No. Doesn't say that, does it? Come on, help me out. Doesn't say we're going to bring forth fruit continuously all the time. But what does it say? We're going to bring forth fruit in our seasons. Come on, there's going to be seasons of bearing fruit. I want to tell you something very important today. And that is this. In life, there's going to be times where you're not going to see fruit. Come on, in your marriage, everything's not going to be what you want it necessarily to be. Come on, with your kids, it's not going to be necessarily. One person said this, well, I like pictures sometimes more than my kids. Come on, I can like the pictures, but sometimes I don't like my kids so much. I don't know what they mean by that. I'm only joking. Think about that. Come on, but there's going to be times in our life, in our finances, and there's going to be times in our health, the list goes on, that we're not going to be bearing the fruit that we want. Come on, we're not going to see what we want. So what do most people do when they don't see the fruit they want in their marriage, in their finances, in their health? They make drastic decisions and they uproot their lives. They uproot themselves. But you've got to read the rest of that verse. If you could put that back, that'd be great. It says this, that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, not always bringing forth fruit. But notice this, but my leaf will never wither. Even though there's no fruit, my life is green. You know what green means? There's still life. If it's brown, that means it's dead. But what we mistake so often is if there's not the fruit we want, then that's dead and we need to move on into something else. We've got to be very careful here. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I thought you were talking about transitions. Yeah, the right transitions. Not just because you're maybe not seeing what you think should be happening in your life right now, but it's at those times when God is doing something greater in your life, even though you don't see it on your life. Come on, you cannot mistake these times and make mistakes that you what maybe cannot undo. I'm, I'm just going to talk about this. I'm a pastor, so I deal with this. I deal with this with people with church. I have people, not all the time, but I've had people come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor Phil, I'm just not getting out of church what I used to. I'm just not getting out of it. My, my first thought, and most of the time I say to him, is this. Well, that's funny because there's, there's a principle that says you get out what you put in. So before you discredit the outcome, maybe you need to check the input and, and, and what you're putting in. Because remember, you used to be there every Sunday. Now you come once a month. You used to tithe. You used to give. You used to be involved. But now you don't do those things. Before you're going to judge the output, come on, take a look at the input. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Pastor, I don't like what you're teaching. You know, the praise and worship is not doing it for me anymore. I like what Robert said last week. Someone came up to him and said, you know what? I didn't like the praise and worship. He said, sorry, we didn't realize we were worshiping you today. Didn't realize it was about you. It's about God. We're given to God and we're giving him a praise in the house. Maybe different to you, but if you don't like the praise here, you just praise him however you want outside of here. But we're going to praise him this way in this house. Amen. So what do they do when things aren't going right and they're not seeing the fruit that they think their life should be producing? They uproot and they leave. And the saddest part is they don't leave quietly. They tell everyone they possibly can why they've gone and why they're leaving and that everything is wrong. And the only thing that's wrong is they're not producing fruit. 
look around you. There's plenty of fruit on this tree and this house and people have been touched and changed and then they go somewhere else. I want to tell you right now, those aren't times to uproot. Those are times to reroot. They're times to drive your roots deeper down because you will never see fruitfulness again in your life if you're going to keep uprooting your life and you're going to keep moving and you're going to keep moving because you are not only destroying the stability of your life because that's in your root structure, you're destroying the income, the nutrients, the life that can flow into your life through the structures of your roots. Look what it says in Psalms 92 verse 13. Those who are what? planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. doesn't say we're going to bear fruit, but it says we're going to flourish. doesn't say we're going to bear fruit all the time, but our lives are going to be flourishing. We're going to see blessing. Stay the course, remain planted, be faithful, and your fruitful season will come again. Your fruitful season will come again, but uproot, and you're going to be waiting a long time. In the, sap, in the natural You've got to look around you. In the natural, seasons make way for each other. What do I mean by that? One has to complete its course so the other can take over where the other left off. In your life, that season has to take its course. For what reason? So the next can be effective and to do that. One of those seasons is when you're not going to bear fruit. But it's during those times that it's preparing for the next season that God's going to bring. And there's going to be greater fruit and there's going to be greater growth and there's going to be greater blessing in your life. So today, really quickly, are you ready? I want to give you seven non-negotiables. Seven non-negotiables when it comes to times of transition and change into your life. You can say it this way, seven principles that we must maintain to follow even when we don't always see it. Or say it this way, seven truths that will work in any transition we face, in our friendships, education, marriage, job, health, that will make you successful to get to the next level. Come on, you've got to remove the first so God can establish the second. Transition number one. Are you ready? Non-negotiable number one, and that is this. You've got to know that God is for you. You have got to hold on to that with everything because I'm telling you, there's going to be days where you think he's against you and he doesn't love you and he doesn't care for you. God is a good God. Not everything that happens in your life immediately feels good, but it's those seasons that are preparing what? The fruit of your life. It's the seasons where the roots are going down and God always wants the best for your life. God has the best for your life. Again, it doesn't always feel that way when we have to leave point A on our way to point B. We don't understand all those things, but we've got to hold on to the fact that God is good. Come on, when it's hell in the hallway, have you ever been in a place like that? When God closes one door and you think another one's going to open and it's hell in the hallway, you've got to say, God, you are good and God, you are still for me. Acts 10 verse 38 it says now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing what good that's all he could do he did good and what and healed all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him oh but Pastor Philip that's for them he was talking about in their time he was talking about their experiences no that's for you right now that God is a good God it's for you tomorrow God is a good God it's for you a week from now. God is a good God. It's for you a month from now. It's for your life period to understand that God is a good God. He went about on this earth doing good and that hasn't changed. He wants to work all things together for for your good, to produce goodness in your life. Now, sometimes he has to correct some things. For what reason? He's producing good in your life. We don't like that, but we've got to know that God is for me. Come on, say with me, God is for me. No matter what happens in life, you've got to know God is for you. Come on, when life throws you a curveball or a lemon, you've got to start making some lemonade. You've got to take those things and not get cynical and skeptical and angry and bitter and resentful against God. 
But you've got to say, God, I trust you. Look what Job, Job said it this way, 13, 15. So easy for us many times just to read scriptures and, and just say, oh, Job said that. You've got to realize where Job was at when he said this. Job had lost everything but his wife and he wished God had taken her at one time or another too. Why? Because she was telling him, curse God and die. She wasn't supporting him. And his friends came around to comfort him and his friends came around to tell him. But look what Job said. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Come on, say that with me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He refused to listen to the wrong voice that said, just curse God and die. God's angry with you. God's wrong. No, God is for me. Come on, you've got to believe that today. You've got to know that God is for your life. Point number two. Don't exchange what you do know for what you don't understand. You cannot exchange what you do know for what you don't understand. Do you ever understand everything? No. In fact, the older I get, many times it seems like the more I don't understand because I see more things and I don't understand those things. But what do we do during those times? What do we do? Here's what we need to do. We need to pray that God will bring us to a place of hopefully understanding those things in the future, but it's maybe not for right now. But here's the understanding that we need to apply to our lives. Psalms 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you don't understand with your head, you need to understand with your feet. What do I mean by that? I don't understand it all, but I'm going to dwell in the secret place of God and I'm going to position my life where? Under the shadow of the... I'm going to stand under God. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to stand firm on God's word and God's truth. Come on, that's the understanding that you need. Come on, standing under God and trust in Him because if we trust our thoughts, we're going to be Lord only knows where. Look at the story of King David. If you don't know it, read it for yourself. David has an affair. He has an affair with Bathsheba. He messes up royally. She gets pregnant. He tries to cover it up. In order to cover it up, he has to kill her husband, Uriah. He has him killed. David takes her as his wife and all is well. Well, that's what he thought. He convinced himself that everything was okay and everything was well. But we read different to that. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 through 23. Because what we read and discover is this, his child gets sick. David pleads with God and he cries out to God and he fasts and prays for seven days. Then his son dies. His servants are so afraid to tell David because they see the torture, they see the pleading, they see the agony in his life. David sees them talking. He knows what's happened. He says to him, my son's dead, isn't he? They reluctantly said yes. You know what David did? The Bible says he gets up, he washes and cleans himself, he goes to the house of God and he begins to worship God and he orders Papa John's to be waiting for him when he gets home. He eats. He gets up, cleans himself, worships, and eats. What? The guys around him are confused. I mean, you are almost at the point of death, and now your child is gone, and that's your response. But look what David said to them. 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23. He says, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that that child may live? Verse 23, but now that child is dead. Why should I fast? Because I cannot bring him back, but I shall go to him. He shall not return to me. Come on, that's someone who's transitioning well in life. I don't understand it all. I don't understand why this has happened, David's saying. But you know what? Now it's happened and it's taken place and God's closed the door. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start to praise God. I'm going to start living for God. I'm going to start serving God because I can't bring those things back, but I can go to those things one day. Come on, I can go to where God is. That's someone who is transitioning well in life. Don't build your life on what you don't understand. Build it on what you do know. And that is this, God is for you. 
you and he loves you. He wants the best for you. He's your peace. He's your comfort. He's your strength. He's that which you can go. Come on, build on what you do know and let God handle those other things. What was it Robert said or someone said? You do the possible and let God do the impossible and he'll take care of that. Is this okay today? Come on, number three, you ready? I will not let success change me negatively. Lots of people can't handle success. A lot of people can't handle success. It changes them and not in a good way. It gets to their head and it changes who they are. I've seen this a lot with people. You kind of look at them and say, who, who's that? Is that, goodness me, I mean, what happened? The saddest thing is many times with success and blessing, people forget their friends. People forget their priorities. People forget where they came from. Someone once said it this way, never forget where you came from, but watch what defines you. Watch what it is that defines you. Is it going to be your success? Oh, look at me. Because if people see you and don't see God, you're standing in the way. So we've got to be very careful. Yes, God wants to bless our life, but we need to watch how we transition into that blessing. Because if we're just cutting everyone else off, if we're not forgetting... One of the worst things that we can ever do with success and blessing is this, not to give God his portion. And a lot of times people think if I had more money, I'd give more to God. It works actually the opposite way. The more we have, the less we give to God because the more we want for ourselves. Come on, don't let success change you negatively. Come on, this is, these are non-negotiables that are going to work in every part of your life. Let, get good at good when God brings you increase. Come on, get good at good. Look at Philippians 4, 12 through 13. Paul writes these words. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to have great things and to suffer need. Notice this, the comparisons, to have everything and nothing. He says, I know where it is to have all those things and to find my life anywhere. But you notice what he ends with? But I can do all things through Christ, who strengthened. What is it? I don't care where I'm at in life, what car I have, what house I have, what position I have, whatever. I give God all the glory for everything I have because it's only because of Him. Notice that success is not because of you, success is because of Him. Come on, we need to give God the glory and the honor in our lives. Do I have an amen in the house? Number four, you ready? My marriage and family are my priority. These are non negotiable. The order is this God your family, then your ministry. Let me be more specific. It's God first, your spouse second, then your kids, then your ministry, your work, anything else that comes after that. If you get your life out of order, everything under that is going to be out of whack. There's going to be seasons we've got to understand that there's going to be times where we're going to have to work more. I know right now a lot of people in our church do plant work. This is the time of turnarounds. A lot of time, seven twelves, people who are away from their families for long, long time, spending more time away. But you know what? We can work through that when we realize it's for a season. But the problem is when it becomes the norm. When we change the order and we get things out of whack, when we put our work and things before our family, and we put them before God. I'm not telling you for one second not to work hard because I think you should be the most diligent and the best workers that that anyone has out there. But what I am telling you is this, don't bankrupt yourself outside of your home that you have nothing to come home with, that you have nothing to give your wife, you have nothing to give your kids. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because we talked a whole month on this. Family matters, your family, my family matters. And we've got to put it in place. You may say, well, I don't have any family right now. Well, that's good. Begin to start setting proper habits and guidelines and things in place for your life right now. And I guarantee you this, it's going to make you a lot more attractive too to other people around if you're getting things in order in place. But remember this, we're talking about transitions, my family, my home, my marriage is priority. Remember this, wherever we're going, Wherever God is transitioning us, we've got to make sure that our family comes with us. Because we can't transition without them because then they're going to be left behind. And I'm going to say something today that I 150% believe, and that is this. The blessings of God 
will never be at the expense of your family. So if you are blessed and you want to leave your wife because you think that's God's blessing, that ain't the blessing of God for your life. If you want the blessing of God, but yet you're not being the parent, you're saying, oh, look at God's... The blessings of God upon your life will never be at the expense of your family. Your family's going to be blessed as a result of your blessing if things are in the proper order. I've got to move on. Number five, non-negotiable, God's house and His kingdom. God's house needs to be the main priority for your life. You need to be here as soon as the doors are open. You need to be giving God his portion. I have such a love for the house of God. I could talk for weeks and weeks about the house of God. I believe in making it a priority. I was taught when we had problems, we ran to the house. Too many people run from the house. Come on, our help is in the house. God is in the house. He's here. And I want people to have such a love for the house. You know, the only thing that God said he would build here on earth was this, his church. His church. Look at Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, you need to build that. Come on, help Kelly and I build that. Come on, build your life into that. Build your family into that. Build your finances into that. Sundays need to be non-negotiable. It needs to be something. I, I know where I'm at. You know, I, I don't get surprised every Sunday when it comes around and say, man, what am I doing Sunday? My Sundays are booked up from here till God comes back. I know what's happening. I know what's happening Wednesday night. I have to scratch my head and say, man, what are we doing? We're going to the movies Wednesday? No, we're going to church on Wednesday. Know what's happening. Non-negotiable things. You prioritize his house, God will prioritize yours. Make God an option and you'll see optional results. Make God a priority and he will prioritize your house, your future and your home. Is this good stuff? Come on, remember Psalms 92 verse 13. Those who are planted, not optional, come and go. Those who are planted in the house, what? Are going to flourish. Come on, flourish and grow. Number six, you've got to lead your emotions and don't let them lead you. These are things that's going to help you transition through life. So many people don't do this well. What do they say? Well, I feel, and what they feel, they do. I want you to see something. You ready? Too many people are too emotional. Look at this statement. Emotions are a way of life. We're going to deal with them, okay? We have emotions as a way of life. We've just got to make sure that we don't let them decide your way of life. Did you catch that? Emotions are a way of life. We're going to feel up and down, but we've got to make sure that the ups and downs don't decide or really define the way of our life. Well, I feel this and I feel that and I feel lead. If you feel lead, grab a pencil and touch the top. There you go. That's your lead that you need. Too many people just crazy thinking. We need to engage our brains. Don't allow our emotions. Don't allow the unfruitful times to make us make the decisions that we don't. Come on, steady your emotions. Sit back. breathe, take time, sleep on it, seek godly counsel, find things. Don't be emotionally led because so many times when we are emotional, we say things that we cannot take back. We destroy things. Okay. And lastly, number seven, so important, this one, watch who speaks into your life. Sorry, into you life. That's my fault, not theirs. Watch who speaks into your life. Who's speaking into your life? Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Iron sharpeneth iron, but lead will take you to the bottle. Be intentional with who gives you counsel. But don't be a counsel junkie. What do I mean by that? There are many people who are counsel junkies. They go from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And you know why they do that? They keep going until they find someone who will tell them what they want to hear. You need to find someone who will tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. You've got to watch the people that you surround your life with. You've got to be intentional. Come on, you've got to be careful, especially when you're transitioning, when you're going through a divorce, when you're going through problems, you're going through health crisis, you're in that transition. You are more vulnerable during those times. And you've got to watch who you're opening up your life to. You've got to watch who you're pouring out your life to. Come on, Facebook, Instagram, all those things, they're great tools, but they're not tools for you to pour out everything that's going on in your life. Come on, you've got to find the right people who are going to speak into your life, not the people who are going to think you're crazy and unfriend you. 
and unfollow you. Then you get even more mad. Well, don't blame them. I mean, look at what you're saying. I mean, it's crazy stuff. You've got to be careful. Why? Because it's never an opinion that we need. It's God's Word. I can give you all opinions all I want. I've had some people come to me and, and I could have looked at them in their marriage and said, you know what, your husband's a jerk, divorce him. But God's word says no. There's not grounds for divorce. No matter what I think about it, listen, you need to suck it up. You need to start praying and believing. You be the best spouse that you can be. You be the change that you want to see in your marriage. And you've got to trust God. And we've seen God work so many miracles. Why? Because we're building people's lives upon his word, not upon our opinions. Because his word doesn't change, but my opinion will. Your opinion will. Other people's opinion will. So when people say something to you, ask yourself, is that their opinion or is that God's word? And maybe you'd be better to go first to God's word because then you'll know the truth from God. Come on, you've got to consider the source too. The Bible speaks about that there's a law in this earth and that is this, you only produce after your own kind. Come on, if someone hasn't got a successful marriage, it may be not best to go and ask them about how to have a successful marriage. If someone can't marriage, manage their finances, maybe you don't need to go to them. If someone's having health issues, maybe you don't need to ask them, would you help me get healthy? Maybe say, let's get healthy together, but I'm not going to ask you advice on what to eat. Why? Because you're obviously not taking those advice. If you would read in the scripture... There is great, there is great things, um, measures that's made that they write down as a pastor, a leader, a deacon or an elder. They are to do this, 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 this. There's listings of things that they need to have. Their house in order. Why would the word of God say that? The word of God says that for this reason. If we can't lead our lives well, how can they lead your life well? So we've got to realize that. Because if they're telling you to do something that they themselves are not doing, that makes them a hypocrite and we don't want to be around people like that and we definitely don't want people like that speaking into our lives come on everyone can't handle the details I've realized that everyone can't handle the details that you want to share with them you would be shocked at some of the things that we've heard and we've just got that ability in our lives to be able to look at people beyond the details and still love the person some of you can't handle people around you can't handle the details that's why we've got a great pastoral team I I just believe this are you ready any counseling that you could ever need I believe it's already provided here in the house you can get everything you need here in the house and if there's a need for something outside of the house here's what you do start here and let us refer you if you want to go and see a specialist you start where at your doctor and your doctor refers you we've got too many people who are going every which where they're they're doctor junkies and they're getting too much medication and they're getting too much things and they're getting too much and it's destroying their life you need to start here in the house where it can be safe and secure and if you need extra we'll put you in those places because we know people that can help you not destroy your life come on say with me be careful be careful so let me close this message today how are you transitioning how's it going How are the transitions of your life? Never easy, but they're needful to get us where God wants us to be. When you are facing those transitions and you think your life has fallen apart, that's God's closing the door so he can take you where he needs to go. Hold on to these principles we've given you today because these principles are going to bring you through that God would leave the first, that he could begin to establish the second in your life, that he could help you. Transitions are inevitable in life but the outcomes can be extremely different. Live by these principles. Move into everything God has for you. Don't get stuck in comfort. Don't get stuck in hurt. Don't get stuck in rejection. Don't get stuck in the past. Notice the past. Let it be what it says, the past. It's not the present, it's the past. Let it be the past and leave it behind because it doesn't belong in your future. Come on, we're going to see people move into great new seasons in God. Your life, come on, don't be fenced in. I want to live openly and spaciously. Come on, if you want to live in an open, spacious life with God, would you stand to your feet right now with me? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.